I added one more podcast to the giant podcast bin. Now you have plucked that podcast out and started listening. I took my microphone and found some human folk. Then I recorded all the noises while we spoke. My name is Adam Buxton. I'm a man. I want you to enjoy this. That's the plan. Hey, how are you doing, podcasts? Adam Buxton here, reporting to you once again from a field out in East Anglia, UK, around about 10 minutes drive outside the fair city of Norwich, currently categorised as Tier 1 in the new COVID restriction system. I like to think of Norwich now as Tier 1 because it's Tier 1. Um, have lots of people made that joke? I don't know. I'm not on social media anymore. It's a pretty good joke, though. What do you think, Rose? I'm gambling. Rosie's gambling. But look, I'm not trying to make light of the situation. I mean, I suppose I am a little bit. But I'm certainly not trying to rub Norwich's Tier 1 status in the face of anyone listening who is currently... uh, Experiencing tighter restrictions, my sympathies are with everyone, regardless of their tier categorization. I'm hoping you're all doing as well as possible and plodding on. Going through the gate. What are you doing there, dog? She's found some long grass. And she's bouncing. But look, let me tell you about podcast number 135, which features a conversation with British actor and comedian Ellie White. This is a a particularly rambly and frequently foolish conversation, which doesn't need a great deal of setting up. So I'll just give you a couple of um, brief Ellie facts. Ellie is a versatile performer with an amazing range. She does big, crazy characters on TV comedies like The Windsors, Murder in Successville, and Vic and Bob's House of Fools. But she's also got nuanced and naturalistic in her locker. As you will know if you've seen her in shows like This Time with Alan Partridge, Inside Number 9, and the BBC sitcom The Other One, written by former podcast guest Holly Walsh. Ellie was the star of that show. However, fly past from the hairy bullet. Ellie turns in many of her funniest performances, this is in my opinion, in live shows, internet shorts and TV sketches made with her comedy partner and another friend of the podcast, Tash Dimitriou. Ellie and Tash are in the early stages of working on their own character and sketch comedy show for BBC Three. That's some way off, though, given the COVID situation. But for the past few years, Ellie and Tash have also been part of the main cast on the brilliant BAFTA award-winning Channel 4 sitcom Staff Let's Flats, starring Tash's brother, Jamie Dimitriou. My conversation with Ellie was recorded remotely towards the beginning of September 2020, not that long ago. Towards the end, 
in the course of discussing Cardi B's recent number one hit, you should also be aware that there is smut and a lot of innuendo and some actual strong bad language, um, which comes earlier, in fact. There's bad language. So please do go with caution if that kind of thing is likely to, um, you know, take a giant plop on your day. I wouldn't want that. Nobody wants that. Back at the end for a little bit more waffle, but right now with Ellie White. Here we go. Will you keep talking, Ali? Tell me what you had for breakfast. Um, I didn't have any breakfast. Sorry to disappoint you. Had a cheese sandwich for lunch and some crisps. And um, I've just had water and two coffees today. And I've done very, very, very little. That is not a balanced diet. Is it not? I don't think so, is it? I mean, I'm not the expert. Well, I mean, I feel terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't your parents ever tell you that breakfast was the most important meal? And if you didn't load up on breakfast, then you were going to die by midday. They probably did. But I never used to eat it when I went before I went to school. I've heard other people, you know, everything, every bit of knowledge nowadays, someone is going to gainsay it or say, actually, the latest thinking is completely the opposite of that. And if you don't have breakfast, then uh, it reduces the length of your life by up to 20 years (laughs) (laughs) for every egg you've eaten. If I wake up very early, fill me with eggs, fill me with bacon, fill me with beans. That's very early. I'm talking five, six. Right. So you like the old traditional English breakfast when you can. If I'm up very early. Do you mind me asking how old you are? I'm 31. It's a problem of mine. I see everything in terms of age, like who's at what stage? What have they learned? What should they have learned? What, where was I at that point? Where were you at 31? 31, I had just started doing the Adam and Joe show with Joe. Uh, it was 31, it would have been 2000, I guess. And I was just about to get married. The world was about to change forever. And well, I'm not in a dissimilar place. You know, I'm just about to do the Ellie and Natasha show. Okay. And I'm 31. The world's absolutely on fire. It's like the 9-11 of comedy. <laughs> it's burning hard. And it's, it's 20 years later. Yeah. So not, not huge amounts of change in 20 years, Adam. So tell me about the Ellie and Natasha show. Is that a commission? Are you allowed to talk about it or is it? Nope. No, there we are. I, um, and there's not huge amounts to say. We can't film it at the moment. Right. We were supposed to film it in May, but we obviously got held up. And so we'll, maybe we'll film it next year. Okay. And we'll send it to you. At any point, did your commissioner suggest that you do it as a lockdown show? No, thank God. 
I mean, you could probably do it. You've done some lockdown comedy bits, haven't you? We did a Stath Let's Flats lockdown comedy. And actually, Tash and I did do a sketch in lockdown. Yeah, which was really funny. We both lost our minds doing it, though. It was it was all about... It was a parody, as far as I could tell, of all the first wave of lockdown inspirational stuff that people were putting online. Like It was a sort of parody of the like real kind of burst of productivity that people seem to be very very smug about online making my sourdough and i'm making my tapestry and (laughs) here's my avocado egg bowl um and that was what we what we were uh, trying to kind of take the piss out of but like and then simultaneously behind the scenes be having breakdowns yeah. Um, which wasn't wasn't far from what was going on for most people, I think. Yeah, definitely. How did you cope as a little sidebar before I ask you more about Tash and Ellie's show? Um, I, I think it was all right. I mean, I live in a small flat without a garden. That was hard. Mm. But generally, I sort of think it was okay. It was tough at times. The general, like, kind of watching the news and feeling really worried I mean I I went through periods of feeling incredibly worried and anxious yeah but I'm not actually on social media anymore and I think that was quite helpful I think it helped me so I sort of refocused you're not on social media no I came off before covid and um, I was gonna you know I hadn't really been using it much for ages so Mm. then I just thought oh I may as well come off and then the pandemic happened and then I felt quite smug and relieved that I wasn't on there because I just thought, whoa, I don't think I would have been able to cope with just everything whizzing around, all the information and the misinformation and the recriminations and the judgments and that you should be doing this. And, oh, my God, you're doing that. And you are literally killing people by doing that. And it's like, oh, man, I don't know. I just yeah, I, I'm it's it's enough that going through your brain every day let alone like (laughs) millions of other people telling you what they think as well and I think it just I think it was just helpful I mean sometimes you do feel a bit kind of like you're on the on the outskirts of some sort of club Mm -hmm. not being on there Mm -hmm. like you don't really know what's going on and oh did you see that article that really interesting article that someone just shared and every single other person around the table are like, yeah, no, that was actually really interesting. And you're like, I've got no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. But I have spent, you know, four hours researching Queen Bees today. So there you go. maybe that's more useful. I really just think that it's fine to be a bit irrelevant and a bit out of the loop. Every now and again, like <laughs> last night, in fact, at supper. So I'm talking to you on thursday the 10th of september 2020 and last night my children and my wife started talking about um having friends over and then they were saying oh yeah but they won't they won't be able to come over now um because it's only six people you're only allowed to have six people i was like what (laughs) i hadn't heard anything about it and i had no idea because i just lost track I've absolutely lost track of exactly what you're supposed to do. I mean, in a way, I'm sort of now glad that it's been refocused somewhat and there's the new six people directive for however long that goes on. But I mean, it does, obviously. It's, seem... No, it is tough. But I went out for dinner in King's Cross last Friday night and afterwards we went to a pub that I won't name and shame, but um, 
we went in and it was it was absolutely like bubbling with people like alive right people licking each other's faces and then i went downstairs because i i mean i you know we did stay for a drink but we were standing outside but i went downstairs to use the loot and there was a full dance floor whoa full dance floor of people grinding dancing were people wearing masks no no that was in king's cross it was actually shocking to me. Guys, come I on. felt shocked. I'd like it to end now, all of this. I actually want it to wake up tomorrow and I want it to have never happened. Where would you go back to if you could go back to any year in your life? If you could reset. Uh, I thought you were about to say any year in time and I, was, I, was, I would go uh, 1892. Why 18? What, when Columbus sailed the ocean blue? No, yeah. he, that was 1492. Come on, <laughs> history buckles. No, no, I don't know. Um, <laughs> any year of my life... I don't know. They're all beige. They're all grey to me. <laughs> Come on, best year. I liked 2004. What were you doing then? Uh, I was in year nine at school. How old are you? What's year nine? I don't know. I'm no good at the I years. I think it's 14. Okay. So you could I have been... Like that was, I feel like that was an interesting age. Yeah. Actually, I wouldn't want to go back there. Yeah, that's hard. It's complicated. But I'd like to see myself as that person... You know, like wearing very questionable kind of boot cut jeans and a bang on the door top saying groovy chick on it. Yeah. And really like desperately trying to get a boyfriend and failing. I'd love to see that. Were you a nice 14 year old then? Yeah, I was very nice. You weren't a mean girl. When did you get to know Tash? I got to know her um, through Jamie because me and Jamie went her brother. Yeah, Jamie Dimitri. Because we, you know, Jamie, um, we went to university together. Me and Jamie went to university together. And then we met Tash because we went up to Edinburgh to do a show together, me and Jamie. And she was also doing a show with her old sketch group, Oysterize. And so we all became friends up in Edinburgh. But we didn't start working together till um, a few years, a few years later, like a five or six years later. But we were just mates before that, hanging out. Which university did you go to? Uh, Bristol. Did you have fun there? I loved it. I loved it so much. It was really fun. A very kind of laid back city, lots to do. There was a huge amount. That's where I got very eco. I, I, was, I became a sort of big eco warrior when I went there. Uh-huh. There's lots of stuff about that. There's big like eco communities there that are all sustainable and stuff like that. And there's a big folk on that kind of thing. Yeah. No, it's good. Good alternative scene alternative thinking independent spirit arts um, i can imagine you living there actually i enjoy it every time i go there i go there whenever i film my bits for uh, the crystal maze i play a head in a cage <laughs> you play what you know the crystal maze with richard iwadi hosting oh i haven't seen that no it's okay i don't think I i'm have sorry either. i'm so sorry it's fine um <laughs> <laughs> I think Richard was just nice and he sort of suggested me for it. And now I just turn up there every year or two for about three days. It's one of the easiest jobs I've ever had. So what do you have to do? (laughs) It's in a big studio, one of the biggest studios in Europe called the Bottle Factory. Have you been there? No. You must have filmed stuff there. No, I remember um, going to see Deal or No Deal get recorded in Bristol. Was it there? It may well have been there. Yeah, yeah, I went, I went to see that a couple of times. And um, so they've just got this enormous set, all the zones, 
Uh, you know, like what Crystal Maze is. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. yeah, yeah. I, 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 it was great. It was great, but I haven't seen any of the new new stuff. Oh, Richard's really funny. Oh, well, I watch it. What channel is it on? Four. And um, I am like a head, a disembodied head. And originally I was in the sci-fi zone. And so people would go into a, a little room and they would see me. It was like, you know, from Futurama, all the heads in the jars, that type of oh, thing. Oh, yeah. And so there I was, clearly a man, a middle-aged man who had stuck his head through a hole in a set. And clearly there wasn't any liquid in the jar because every time I said anything, the jar would fog up with my breath. And it was really, it was really difficult. They hadn't really thought about that. And in the, what I had to do was sort of push a hanky through the hole past my neck and kind of wipe it down just wiping it down in between each take oh my god it was so uncomfortable as well because they hadn't in the on the first series they hadn't figured out where i was going to sit it was literally like oh you just go behind the set and stick your head up through the hole it's like yeah but where do i kneel you just kneel on the side of the set (laughs) so it was incredibly uncomfortable second series they they had a chair there for me and each time it gets a little bit more um comfortable but do you have it, a cushion for your knees or anything like that no I, they gave me a cushion at first it was just <laughs> one of the sandbags that they used to hold the flats down <laughs> that is there's something sort of horribly humiliating about that <laughs> going was, and getting was, on your knees and posting your head through a hole yeah man especially when you're approaching 50 <laughs> <laughs> like oh this is this is what's happened <laughs> Just just poking your head through. But it was fine. It was nice to do it. And, you know, I had to remind myself, like, listen, there's way worse jobs than this. And There is. There is. But I don't... I, I, whenever I'm in a kind of, like, precarious position in front of cameras, which isn't huge, hugely often, but sometimes, I always have, like, you know, those out-of-body experiences where I see myself and all I can see is just horrendously blank faces looking at me like I'm... A, a fucking piece of shit. <laughs> Are they the You're faces? Like with my legs spread. <laughs> Are they the faces of the crew or an imagined audience? They're they're kind of the faces of the crew, but they're like you know multiplied by a million, okay. and they're all just standing there, just just horrendously, horrendously judging me as I'm kind of swinging in the air in some sort of harness, suspended. Yeah, it's, it's a humiliating job. In many ways, it can comedy. be very humiliating, can't it? Especially when you're doing comedy, because it's you're asking so much, really. I mean, to make someone laugh is a difficult thing, and it, it depends on so many things. And if you're not feeling it one day, it's so hard. And if you're not confident about what you're doing, it's absolutely soul destroying to try and do it and go through the motions. You feel like the most awful person. I think I um, as well when I when I first got a job, you know, on set. I thought it was going to be like a comedy gig. So I thought everyone in the crew would just be kind of laughing, laughing howling. Laughing. <laughs> very, very good. But obviously no one <laughs> can laugh because they're behind the camera. Yeah. So you just, more often than not, it's like very, very soulless, kind of empty, hollow sets of silence while you're just desperately like clowning around trying to deliver these these jokes and that feel... Like, you know, when you're on stage, you get a reaction. Well, hopefully you get a reaction. Sometimes you don't. 
<laughs> I actually was, was thinking earlier about, I feel like the first time I met you, we were, we were supporting you in Manchester. Yeah. We, we opened for you in Manchester and we did really bomb. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> we really bombed because I think people were, people were expecting like your, your show. And My then high and, quality me, material. Me and, well, speaking of very low quality material, me and Tash then came on, well, opened the show as like we, we used to do the set called Sexy American Girls, which we were basically like, Tash was like gyrating at the front in like an American flag. And I would stand nervously at the back. The audience had absolutely no idea what was going on. We bombed for about 15 minutes. Because you, and then it, you came on and did your show. You weren't American though, were you? You were kind of Eastern European or something. Yeah, Eastern European. What was the Sexy American Girls based on? What was the inspiration for that? Because I did a few shows with you doing that. We, I, we both did separate characters. We both did, like, I did, used to do a character... Um, who was very, very like an Eastern European character who was like very, very, very shy and softly spoken. And Tash used to do a character called Bula, who was like really outrageous Greek character, where essentially she just like gyrated and sold pizza slices, as far as I can remember. Oh, yeah. In a pizza costume. Yeah. And I think someone asked us to do a gig together. And they were like, why don't you just do those characters together and you just mesh your sets together or something? We kind of were like, oh, it'd be funny if they were obsessed with America and they, they were like, all they wanted to do was go to America and that was their big dream, but they'd ended up here by mistake. So that's kind of how, it, how we started working together, just doing that, that set. But now you're doing a show together on TV. Congratulations. Thank you, Adam. It's, that's great. I, you know, you know that I think you're great and i think you're very funny not the sexy american girls they they were terrible that's bad um <laughs> that's bad that's bad it's are they going to be bad. in the show um we do we don't do sexy american girls but we do in the pilot we did um these characters who were setting up a, a nail bar who were kind of i guess loosely um, and when I say loosely, I mean strongly based on the sexy American girls. So they'll be in the series. And Do you ever sort of think like, God, is it OK to even do accents these days? Like of anyone? I mean, even... Yeah, I've had to do a radio interview for like Five Live, I think, recently. And someone asked me on there, they were like, so the character's Polish. And um, how do you feel, you know, doing a Polish accent? Mm. I, number one, I was like, is she Polish? don't know yes then, i wouldn't have uh, assumed that she was polish and then i just i, I honestly froze and then i went i think i said something like well i had a, a distant aunt who was polish and uh. we always used to um uh, did you really we, say that yeah i think i did and we <laughs> oh always God. used to you know joke around with the accent when i was younger so it's something i grew up with yeah and then afterwards i was like i'm gonna get dumped into the sea by Twitter. Some of my best friends are Polish. <laughs> I don't know. Well, you know, you could do one of those like um, DNA tests and find that you're 2% Polish and then, you know, you'd have a leg to stand on. I spent a long time doing a character called Pavel, who was a kind of, I don't know what the accent is at all. <laughs> Every now and again, I'll be watching TV 
and someone will come on and be like, oh, that's my Pavel accent. So where are they from then? <laughs> like, where? The... But yes, as you say, some people would say very confidently, oh, yes, that um, Belarusian character that you do <laughs> or something like that. You know, it's like... yeah, well, that's right. They would be right because she's from Belarus. <laughs> um, no, I don't know. It's just shit. It is is and 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 people are right to call me out on it. I want to be called out, but I don't know. There's so much that I agree with in in the movement of, you know, making comedy progressive. And then there's other stuff that I'm like, come on, let's just have yeah fun. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. I hope that it. Uh, I hope that the the needle ends up settling somewhere in the middle. Yeah. I love yeah, the middle. That's my favorite. I place. love being in the middle. I love straddling. I love straddling a style um, between two fields. I just love straddling. I'll straddle any old thing. Um, you know who else loves straddling? Who? Cardi B. <laughs> but I want. I'm not going to talk about that yet. I do <laughs> want to talk to you about that, about Cardi B and that song. But I'm. Go- I'm going to talk about it at the end. Okay, I'm glad you have a plan for this conversation. Yeah, I don't think there's any... This, this is the only thing that I've thought about previously okay, that good. I wanted to talk to you about. But uh, mm. I don't think there's any way of talking about it without it being filthy. Absolutely Yeah, filthy. no, that, that is that's going to be a filthy chat. It's going to be a filthy chat. So that's going to be at the end. She's got a very nice voice. Have you ever tried to get her? No, but I think she's funny... I've seen interviews with her. Anyway, look, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I agree. I think she'd be hilarious. And she is so mad. She's mad. But, I mean, I have read stuff from people I, who say that she's problematic. But who okay. isn't these days? I mean, I don't know. But everyone everyone is and, and should be problematic. And yeah. can be, has the potential to be. I would just like more transparency from the people who are lobbying the word problematic around and more acknowledgement that they themselves in some way are certain to be problematic. There's going to be someone who calls someone else problematic who is themselves possibly problematic. That's happened before, loads of times. The whole history of... Now, I mean, I can't cite any examples off the top i wish you could type that kind of thing in to google and get a good hit uh hang on i'm gonna try times when judgmental people Mm. have been proved totally hypocritical Mm -mm. and the hits i'm getting are not satisfying in any way 10 best judgmental people quotes (laughs) six ways to deal with critical judgmental people that's from Tiny Buddha. Would you like to know what those are? Yeah, I would. Acknowledge the pain. What does that mean? Little Buddha says, I have learned to acknowledge the discomfort with harsh words. This doesn't mean wallowing in the pain or crying endlessly, but simply practicing awareness and noticing my own sensations and feelings as they arise without getting overly attached to them or pushing them aside. So this is a website called Tiny Buddha. Mm. Simple wisdom for complex lives. Bite-sized Buddhism, really for everyday life yeah if you've been judged harshly yeah then basically tiny buddha is saying enjoy it try to enjoy it (laughs) well it's like you know kim kardashian she got famous by someone leaking her sex tape is that how she got famous 
It sounds right, but I couldn't tell you. So there's someone who has reveled in people being judgmental about her and turned it into absolute wads of green. Kim Kardashian sex tape archives. And then, and then I just watch you watch the sex tape for the next five <laughs> minutes. <laughs> now, let, let me go back to um, Little Buddha's advice for dealing with critical judgmental people. Two, embrace your own fears and insecurities. Still, We're still not dealing with the actual people. Little Buddha has kind of projected it back onto you. You know, yeah. how do you deal with it? It's not really talking about, you know, the greater societal impacts of that. It's more like, how are you going to deal with the judgment? Well, maybe that's the point. Mm. We should be resisting the urge to change the other person or be judgmental yeah. just back in their face. And we should just yes, well, lead by example and uh, style it out. You know, once a day, I like to quote Gandhi. Yeah. Which one do you quote? An eye for an eye. There you go. Makes the whole world blind. That's the best one. Have you got any other Gandhi quotes apart from that one? Dress to impress every day. <laughs> That's classic Gandhi. Funny you should mention that, but I've got that quote on a poster <laughs> done in really nice writing. I've got... On my kitchen wall is live, love, laugh, Prosecco time. <laughs> I went to a house once. Uh, yeah, it was pretty great. And um, no, there's more to the story than that. We went, a friend of ours was staying in one of, this is a bad way to set the story up. I'm going to start again. <laughs> uh, we, we went to stay in a place mm. and it didn't belong to us. And the people who owned it weren't there. And what they had done was paint sort of inspirational bullshit oh, in massive, massive letters all over the walls. Like it was a really nice place. And in this big, airy, very minimal kitchen space with white walls, they had just painted fucking bullshit all over the walls. Like as you sort of... You know, inspire yourself 15 times a day. And if you can't inspire yourself, then inspire a child. Or well, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not good at making these up. <laughs> it's sort of like modern religion, really, those kind of things. Keep calm and drink coffee. You know, keep calm and flush the chain. Yeah, they tweak a cynical streak in me. And I just tend to feel, you know, that kind of thing should be something you discover for yourself. It shouldn't be painted like rules on a wall. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's the rule book around the house, just painted yeah. on the wall. No, it's it's deeply, deeply um, Sexy. troubling. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on, I'm looking up some inspirational quotes. I, I think I did some inspirational, some made-up inspirational quotes on 8 Out of 10 Cats does Countdown. <laughs> and I think they didn't use the bit. Oh. Um, which isn't surprising. First of all, I'll read you some real inspirational quotes yeah. that I found online. Let your smile change the world, but don't let the world change your smile. <laughs> it's okay to be a glow stick. Sometimes we have to break before we shine. Holy Christ. Fucking I mean, yeah. that is tortured, isn't it? Yeah, but who's making them up? Like, who's making them up? Because, you know, often you'll see a, a very nice quote by someone that you, you know, that they've just pulled out of 
I don't know, like the, the Narnia novels or something like that that's interesting or nice. Yeah. And then the inspirational ones which seem seem completely arbitrary to everything and anyone, and but they're just kind of beige. These are some of my quotes I did on 8 out of 10 Cats Does Countdown that they didn't use. This is something that um, Hillary Clinton said. Not Hillary Clinton, but Clinton. Um, she said, kill them with success, bury them with a smile, sh- <laughs> shit on them with a shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing at my own made-up quotes. Do <laughs> you want some more? Yeah, please. Here's one from Sir Alan Sugar. Not Sir Alan Sugar, but Sir Alan. Yeah. S-U-R-A-L-A-N. Sir Alan. Sir Alan. Opportunities are like penalties. If you miss them, you're a cunt. <laughs> <laughs> those are brilliant. Why do they cut those in the show? They cut them because no one laughed at them. Oh. In the studio or the audience or anywhere. That was another big thing that we absolutely bombed on as well, that... Eight out of ten cats. Oh, yeah, really? Just, I mean, just silence in the studio. I think on the show they, they must have added laughter because I remember I remember getting... Uh, and then also they give you wine, don't they? They do if you want it, yeah. So we got, like, more and more pissed. And then by the end it was quite fun because we were just sort of taking the piss out of Jimmy. And then, like, Tasha a picture of a cow with Jimmy sucking on the cow <laughs> on our <laughs> desk and kept showing it to <laughs> To me. <laughs> and so we were both howling but the audience was silent every time yeah. we spoke that was tough yeah i've had shows like that i've had really nice ones on there too all i've spoken to you about is is bombing on um in various like guises i know it does i do tend to focus on failure to me it's funnier talking about the times that you've like absolutely died than yeah. being like, I remember that gig I did where <laughs> it was funny actually because everyone was laughing in the audience. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that reminds me of a funny story actually. Uh, I was invited on Jonathan Ross's chat show and I went on there and I, I smashed it. And I could tell <laughs> within seconds that I was smashing it because the audience were laughing so much, some of them were crying. Jonathan scribbled a note in the commercial break and passed it over to me and it said you're smashing it and then afterwards the next day there was articles in all the newspapers about how i'd smashed it the funny thing is i didn't think it was going to go as well as that i knew it was going to go well but i didn't think it was going to go that well (laughs) (laughs) i should tell more stories like that Here's your Wikipedia entry. Yeah, yeah. Ellie White, born yeah. 1989. Yeah. English comedy actress. Uh-huh. You okay with actress rather than the post-structuralist actor that I generally favour when talking about women acting people? I, I like actress. It's kind of flirty. It's fun. Yeah. It's kind of coquettish. It's, it's nice. Actress. I got into it because... But from reading The Guardian, I think, they say actor rather than actress. Mm. And I sort of thought, yeah. I think I would, depending on who I was talking to, introduce myself as an actor. Mm. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I'll probably say actor, but I don't feel offended by my Wikipedia page. OK. Ellie White is an English comedy actress. Yeah. Her most notable role to date is as... What are they going to say? Princess Beatrice. Yep. Princess Beatrice of York in the spoof royal comedy The Windsors. Yeah. Is that the most high-profile thing you've done, do you think? I don't know if it's high-profile, but I think it's possibly the most, like, watched show that okay. I've been in. And it's on its, like, third series, so... I really like um, The Windsors. It's very funny. It's very funny. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. That's Channel 4, isn't it? Channel 4, yeah. Yeah, it's very yeah, fun yeah, yeah. to make. It's fun to be in, for sure. That's a good cast as well. Look at it. So for those of you who've never seen The Windsors, you're looking at a British sitcom parody of the British royal family, House of Windsor. And uh, you've got Harry Enfield in there, Hayden Gwynn, Hugh Skinner, Louise Ford, Richard Golding, Morgana Robinson, Katie Wicks, Ellie White. You're just talking wham, wham, wham. Name, 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 name. Love it. Super talented cast. And it is really genuinely funny. Um, why are you laughing? I don't do, know, do I sound because, insincere? No because, no, because you sort of, as you were saying it is really genuinely funny, you looked really mischievous. Oh, I'm just looking at the... Your, uh, your face looked so mischievous that I was like, what's, this, what's, what's the subtext here? Um, no, it's funny. It's, it's so fun and it's very silly and light, I would say. Some of the impressions are quite good though, aren't they? Like you're all quite good at impressions. No, but I'm not, I'm definitely not doing an impression Are because I don't know what she speaks like. So I think Harry is, an, is doing an amazing Prince Charles impression, but um, I have never heard Princess Beatrice speak. So I'm not, I'm just doing a silly character, really. Uh-huh. Although she's probably not dissimilar, is she? No, surely not. The thing is about them is that I have a kind of strange empathy for those two girls, especially after the absolute trash heap that is their dad. Yes, he is problematic. <laughs> and let's Who are you not to say he's problematic. <laughs> I'm not problematic. I've got no problems. <laughs> let's not as well forget <laughs> Fergie and her suitcase of cash. Yeah. Oh, Fergie and man. she's really I mean Katie Wicks plays her and she's absolutely amazing at her Katie Wicks is yeah, she's so funny. funny but she she is really tragic in the show you know if I was to think of the royal family watching the Windsors that's the only one that I would go oh I feel of it that would be quite tough to watch they claim that they don't watch the crown do you believe that absolutely not I don't believe it you reckon they're glued if you, Adam, this is, okay, this is specific to you. If someone said to you, look, we've made like a biopic about your life, you're, you're telling me... You're going for biopic rather than biopic, are you? Sorry, I'm just getting stuck on your pronunciation of that word. What is that? Is that wrong? I think you're talking about a biographical picture, which is a biopic. <laughs> biopic sounds like it's dealing with biopia, which is the narrowing of truth and meaning in order to win awards. Oh, my God. Well, I've always said it wrong. No, I'm sorry, I... I'm terrible. I'm problematic for bringing that up. No, I feel like I've been impaled. No, look, not only did I <laughs> derail you in a very rude way, I did so to humiliate you about your pronunciation, which is not cool, especially <laughs> as I mispronounce things all the time. And <laughs> No, listen, I, you learn something new every day and here it is, biopic. I just want to say that I'm sorry for the pain I've caused. And I'd rather you tell me than... 
for you to get angry letters about it. <laughs> angry letters. That snake with tits that you had on your show. <laughs> but you were saying, and I apologise for derailing you, I think you were going to make the point that if someone had made a biopic, or yeah. biopic, it's cool, about my life, yes, I would probably want to watch it. You would. Would I, though? Would you? I don't know. Would you, if someone did that? Yeah. Would I? <laughs> Would I? Would I? Would I? It would be weird, though. I mean, it would it would be shockingly strange, though, wouldn't it, to see the way other people saw you in that way and just to play around? Because now the crown, they don't even stick to the actual facts of what happened anymore on the crown. They just make stuff up randomly. I've never watched it, but people say it is brilliant. The first series I thought was brilliant. I was less keen on the second one. I just thought... Mm. Was it the second one or the third one? I can't remember. Anyway, the first series was good and then I've enjoyed it a bit less thereafter. Well, yeah, I I find it strange that they're now almost going to do up to modern day on it. Because the Windsors is one thing, you know, it's just a parody. It's just a sort of spitting image type thing. Yeah. But I, I mean, I suppose they do do kind of real life things that have happened all the time based on real people, don't they? But there's, I don't know, there's something kind of perverse about it to me. I agree. I think it's strange if you're... <laughs> Portraying people who really existed and are still alive. Yeah. And, and they're just... going to do Diana. They'll do the whole Diana death. I find it just sort of harrowing. There's something harrowing about it that I don't, I'm not interested in. It's harrowing. It, it's sick. And it's offensive. <laughs> <laughs> I just bumped into you at the supermarket. I was backing out of a parking space and I hit your car. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. But you're angry now, very angry now. And that's making me very angry too. No, fuck you. How do you feel about the UK's current number one as we speak? Cardi B and Megan the Stallion yeah. are in the number one spot with WAP or WAP. It is an acronym. You're aware what the acronym stands for. Yeah. Okay. I won't um, say. It's in the song. Listen say to the it. uncensored Just version of the song. Say it. Well, no, I don't want to say it because I did a I did an ad for my book um, for the podcast and I did a spoof of the song, but I said the words, wet ass, etc. And um, I played it to my wife and, you know, it was a joke. It was like I, I made a joke out of the fact that it was anyway, it was supposed to be funny. But she said, don't don't put that out. It's hot. That is totally inappropriate. You're 51 years old. So you can't now, say that. You're now dragging me into the depths of hell with you. Um, I didn't know it was number one. I didn't know it was number one. I watched the video before I actually knew what the song was called or what it was. So mainly in the video, I, I didn't even really listen to the lyrics, I don't think. So I was just like, wow. I was like, yeah. In the video, I think they say... Um, wet and gushy in the radio edit yeah they do and I remember just being like this is you know a huge assault on my senses in a good way I was like visually that is 
And the only word I can describe it is, is yow. <laughs> I think I had the same reaction. Mine was yow. And then it was all the reactions. Wow. Whoa. Okay. I don't think I'm that easily shocked, but I think I was quite shocked. Yeah, I was shocked. I, I think I was quite, well, I was, I was forced to say yow. It is actually visually really, really cool, I think. But um, the lyrics are, you know, another, another story. Have you read the lyrics online? No, I haven't read the lyrics online. But I think I, there's like a mop and a bucket at some stage yeah. to mop up the juice that is pouring mm. from her pee. Would you like me to read you some of the lyrics? <laughs> yeah. And I'm going to replace some of the more explicit lines. Okay. Well, I'm going to replace the acronym WAP with the phrase, the neighbour's cat. <laughs> Um, and it'll be obvious where I've replaced some other words. And this is not all the lyrics, but these are some choice verses. I said, certified freak, seven days a week. The neighbor's cat, make that pull-out game weak. Woo, yeah, 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 yeah. You fooling with the neighbor's cat. <laughs> Bring a bucket and a mop for the neighbor's cat. Give me everything you got for the neighbor's cat. Beat it up, noodle. Catch a charge. Extra large and extra hard. Put the neighbour's cat right in your face. Swipe your nose like a credit card. Hop on top. I want a ride. I do a kegel while it's inside. Now, do you know what that means? No. What's a kegel? What That's, is a kegel? I haven't it sounds like a that. Morris dancing routine. I think it's a pelvic floor exercise. Oh, OK. Yeah, yeah. OK, yeah. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Look, I need a hard hitter. I need a deep stroker. I need a henny drinker. What's that, Hennessy, maybe? <laughs> I really like the fact that she says, look, as well. Look, I'm going to say yeah, something look. very important now. It's like Tony Blair. Look, look, <laughs> look, I need a hard hitter. I need a deep stroker. Look, I need a henny drinker. And I need a weed smoker. Not a garden snake. I need a king cobra with a hook in it. Yeah. Hope it lean over. He got some money? Then that's where I'm headed. The neighbor's cat, A1, just like his credit. Spit in my mouth, look in my eyes. The neighbor's cat, come take a dive. Tie me up like I'm surprised. Let's role play. I wear a disguise. I want you to park that big Mack truck right in this little garage. He got a beard. Well, I'm trying to wet it. I let him taste it. Now, he diabetic. Yow. Yow. Because it's so sweet. <laughs> it's made him diabetic. I don't want to spit. I want to gulp. I want to gag. I want to choke. I want you to touch that little... This is the best bit, actually, in a way. The writing is very good in some of it. I want you to touch that little dangly dang that swang in the back of my throat. Oh, yow. That is quite good, though, isn't it? It's very specific. It's very, it's very so specific. specific. And she's, but she's found new ways to think about these things and describe these things. And that's, that's the object of the exercise. Yeah. I mean, this is what pop music is supposed to do, though. You have to remind yourself. And it's part of a long and proud tradition of freaking people out with sex chat in, in music. Yeah, I, I don't... I mean, to me, it's great. There's a lot of metaphors in there, which I love to see in the song. I don't want a grass snake. I want a king cobra. Mm. That could be a number of things. Yeah. <laughs> that, she could be talking about a number of things. Do you ever have kind of 
more conservative thoughts and just sort of think, well, where is society heading? If you're pushing the boundaries this far back, then everything just becomes less and less shocking. Everything becomes more extreme. This is taking place in the context of uh, violent pornography that is cheapening the experience of sexuality. I'm saying it in a funny voice to try and deflect criticism for being extremely prudish and conservative but i do think some of these things no no i i you know it's hard it's even hard and it's a sort of difficult like feminist position to be in that's that's you know caused lots of rifts within feminism as well about like you as a woman feeling power and having power over your own sexuality and your own body that she obviously does. You know, she obviously is a very sexually liberated and like sexual person. Mm-hmm. She loves talking about sex all the time. Yeah. And she she's quite entertaining with it as well. Like she is quite funny. Yeah. You know, this is when I hear my dad's voice in my head. Mm. And his problem with this kind of thing, not specifically sort of sexy lyrics, but in general, he would think that, oh, well, you're sort of cheapening things that shouldn't be cheapened, things that are really important and should be special. And if the currency for the way you learn about those things or discuss those things is so debased, then you inevitably will debase the experience of those things yeah yeah i guess it's difficult because you don't want to also you know you don't want all men to think that women are basically just like like absolutely like just dripping (laughs) at all times waiting to be penetrated (laughs) because that that isn't true no it isn't true and and you know that that's probably something that should be talked about more you know female dryness (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and maybe i'll i'll do a sort of comeback song about female dryness and being the driest pee in town <laughs> scratchy pee that could be your rap name <laughs> because i think it is probably a male fantasy or like a sexual fantasy whether it's male or not that the you know the the pee I'm literally saying pee because I know my mum's going to listen to this and I don't think she could take me saying pee. Say the neighbour's cat. The neighbour's cat. Um, that, you know, you are, you are constantly, you, you know, your neighbour's cat is, is dripping wet all the time. But... <laughs> that doesn't sound better. That still sounds better. <laughs> um, look, here's, the thing is that, you know, it is still, I d- evidently it's not supposed to be an instruction manual for your opinions on sexuality or how to treat women it's a piece of entertainment and and sort of mad fantasy but um and as i said you know it's in the tradition of of lots of other very suggestive songs i think it is good that it's a woman talking about her genitals you know there there have been a lot of men who've taken ownership over that in the past and it's quite nice that it's like a girl being like i enjoy sex i love sex this is what i'm going to talk about these are the things i like in it and you know, here are my here are my breasts as well. On top of that, mm-hmm. here they are in the video, plain in sight. You can see them. I can. I did. I did. Yep. I can, and I did. They were definitely there. Yeah, Grace Jones, pull up to the bumper. That was some pretty saucy stuff. What was in that? Pull up to my bumper, baby, in your long black limousine. Pull up to my bumper, and drive it in between. Pull up to it. Don't drive through it. Back it up twice. Now that fits nice. Grease it. Spray it. Let me lubricate it. There you go. Will you Google George Formby? Um, 
My Little Stick of Rock, I think it's called. So this is the thing, you know, that's to me, that's just, that is literally just as dirty, if not more. Yeah, have a quick listen to that. Okay, wait. Me dressed like all the sports In my blazer and a pair of shorts With me little stick of black rock Along the promenade I strolled It may be sticky but I never complain It's nice to have a nibble at it now and again Every day, wherever I stray The kids all round me flock One afternoon the band conductor up on this stand Somehow lost his bat and it flew out of his hand So I jumped in this place and then conducted the band With me little stick of black Oh my God. <laughs> so there you go, you get the idea. That it's is it's very, it? very offensive. It's, l- it's laden with innuendo. I think it was even banned at the time, 1937. According to socio-musicologist and rock critic Simon Frith, the management of BBC Radio were concerned about broadcasting the song because of its sexual innuendos, especially with lines as... With my little stick of Blackpool rock along the promenade I stroll. It may be sticky, but I never complain. It's nice to have a nibble at it now and again. That is, that's worse, I would say. I think that is in. worse. She's <laughs> literally just asking Cardi you B's. to, you know, bring it. She's asking you to clean up after yourself. She's asking you to bring a mop and a bucket. And he's, yeah. he's asked, no, he, he's much, that's much worse. It's disgusting. And so what I've done just to make it clear what's going on is I've stripped out the innuendo from some of the lyrics. <laughs> Instead of my little stick of Blackpool rock, I've substituted the word cock <laughs> just to make it clear. And so this is what he's saying. Every year when summer comes round, off to sea I go. I don't care if I do spend a pound. I'm rather rash, I know. See me dressed like all the sports in my blazer and a pair of shorts with my cock along the promenade I stroll. It may be sticky, but I never complain. It's nice to have a nibble at it now and again. One afternoon, the band conductor up on his stand somehow lost his bat on. It flew out of his hand. So I jumped in his place and then conducted the band with my cock. With my cock along the promenade I stroll. In my pocket, it got stuck, I could tell. Because when I pulled it out, it... Because when I pulled it out, I pulled my shirt off as well. A fellow took my photograph. It cost one and three. I said when it was done, is that supposed to be me? You've properly mucked it up. The only thing I can see is my cock. (laughs) (laughs) That is, it's so, it's actually, that's pretty special what he's done. He's sick. He's absolutely (laughs) sick. And when the next time someone tells Cardi B off, she should just... She, I don't think she cares. I think she is having the time of her life. Yeah. I don't think she gives a <laughs> flying shit. Wait, this is an advert for Squarespace. Every time I visit your website, I see success. Yes, success. The way that you look at the world makes the world want to say yes. It looks very professional. I love browsing your videos and pics, and I don't want to stop. 
And I'd like to access your members area And spend in your shop These are the kinds of comments people will say about your website If you build it with Squarespace Just visit squarespace.com slash Buxton for a free trial And when you're ready to launch Because you will want to launch Use the offer code BUXTON to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. So put the smile of success on your face with Squarespace. Yes. Continue. I want you to touch that little dangly thing that's swinging the back of my throat. Welcome back, podcasts. That was Ellie White. Very grateful to Ellie for making the time to come and talk to me. Maybe one day we'll get Ellie and Tash back on the podcast together. That would be fun, I think. I have posted links to various bits and pieces, mainly Ellie and Tash stuff, in the description of this podcast. A few of their videos that have made me laugh particularly, including that one that was mentioned fairly early on about their lockdown routine, inspirational lockdown vlog, and a few other bits and pieces related to Ellie and Tash. Also, in the description of the podcast this week, you will find links to a couple of upcoming events, one of which I have mentioned before, the live podcast with comedian Susie Ruffle, which is uh, happening in a few days as I speak, on Wednesday the 21st of October. That is going to happen at 9pm as part of the Unmute Podcast Festival. Check out the link in the description to see who else is part of that festival and also to buy a ticket to see myself and Susie in conversation this Wednesday. If you wish, if, you don't, if this doesn't appeal, that's fine. You don't have to do anything you don't want to do. I mean, that's not actually true. We all have to do things we don't want to do from time to time. But this isn't one of them. Other event that's coming up. And I did send a newsletter out. So some of you might be going, boring. We've heard all about this in your newsletter buckles. All right. And if you're thinking, newsletter? Why, I, why didn't I get a newsletter? Well, you can sign up for the newsletter, which is not a regular thing. I've only done two so far, just to let people know about events. But I I will send out newsletters more in the future. So if that sounds good, you can sign up on my new website, adam-buxton.co.uk, link in the description of the podcast. But what I was telling people about in this week's newsletter was... Another event that I'm very excited about. On Tuesday, 27th of October, 2020, at 6.30pm, you will be able to watch me, Adam Buxton, interviewing two of the comedy world's greatest actors and improvisers, Julia Davis and Vicky Pepperdine, who will be in character, while I talk to them, as Joan and Jerrica. I'm sure... Many of you are already familiar with their podcast, Dear Joan and Jerrica, in which they 
provide shockingly offensive and judgmental advice and opinions on questions of a sexual nature. It's also frequently extremely explicit and filthy. So tread with caution if that's going to be a problem. But it's very funny, improvised by Julia and Vicky, and uh, they will be improvising with me. Well, I'll be asking them questions on the topics of love and sex and romance, etc. As part of an event organised by Fane, F-A-N-E, to coincide with the publication of Joan and Jerrica's new book, Why He Turns Away, Do's and Don'ts from Dating to Death. That is published at the end of this month on the 29th of October. And I imagine Joan and Jerrica will be doing a little bit of reading from that book as well as answering my questions and just chatting generally about their lives and the world in a unpredictable, unrehearsed scenario. So it has the potential to be terrifying and traumatic, I would say. But also, I hope, very funny. If all that sounds appealing, click on the link in the description of this podcast to buy your tickets for a night in with Joan and Jerrica. All right, Rosie, let's head back. Saturday night, it's party time. We're going to have supper. I think it might even be telly supper tonight. Whoa. Uh, Telly supper with a movie. Not easy. Trying to find a film that is going to be acceptable for all members of Castle Buckles. Two teenage boys, one 12-year-old girl, middle-aged man and woman. Um, It's very hard to find something that everyone's going to be into and not complain about. Tonight, I think we're going to go for Biloxi Blues. Hmm. Adaptation of a Neil Simon play starring Matthew Broderick as a uh, young man who goes and joins the army and has to deal with a kind of fascistic, unhinged drill sergeant man played by Christopher Walken very well and I was reminded of the film because the other night we watched David Cronenberg's adaptation of The Dead Zone 1983 I think starring Christopher Walken and Phoebe Cates Hello! Fact-checking Santa here! Phoebe Cates wasn't in The Dead Zone she was in Gremlins you idiot Brooke Adams was in The Dead Zone (laughs) and Martin Sheen as well he's in it haven't seen it for years and years, and I can't remember why, but I suddenly thought, oh, let's give that a watch. Maybe it was on TV. It was one of those things where we, we were flicking around, and there it was. And I said, no, let's not watch it now. Let's download the whole thing, and we can watch it as a treat next Saturday night. Yay! Thanks, Buckles! Living in Castle Buckles is the best! Everyone shouted and then started singing and patting me on the back. Well... It turned out that actually it was pretty great. I'd forgotten how good it was. You may disagree. You know, it's not, like, there's not that much to it. It's almost like an episode of The X-Files or something. But Christopher Walken is really mesmerisingly good. 
in every scene. He sort of elevates it from a kind of a TV movie to something a little bit more special. But I think the possibility of Biloxi Blues being a um, crowd-pleasing barnstormer is fairly slight. We'll see how it goes. All right. Thank you very much to Ellie White once again for making the time to talk to me. Thanks to Seamus Murphy-Mitchell for production support on this episode. Thanks to Emma Corsham, a new name on the podcast. Emma did some conversation editing. Thanks very much indeed, Emma. And thanks to Helen Green, who, as ever, is responsible for the podcast artwork. Till next time, take all the precautions and remember... I love you. Bye!